Over me, crashes over me. 
Together for my 
says clap your hands all you people shout to God with a voice of triumph how many of you know we serve a mighty God this morning his love never fails he is faithful even when we are faithless I mean I don't always live up to the standard of his word and I'm sure that if you would be honest this morning you'd say the same thing I mean we all blow it right but it's, it's encouraging and comforting to me to know that we worship a God who is constant we worship a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that his mercies are fresh, brand new every morning, and his love never, say never, never, never fails. And that makes him worthy of our praise this morning. Amen? Let's give him another hand. Amen. <clears throat> Go ahead and take a seat for just a second. Um, I want to welcome you all here this morning to Living Water, uh, and I was just visiting with some people this morning, and it seems like every week we get to meet a new family, a new couple, and I just want you to know how special that is to me personally. I remember for years praying, um, God, if you trust us with uh, people that come through the doors, like I, I just think that guests are a blessing from God. Like, you know, there's some churches, sadly, um, in the United States that probably don't have guests that ever show up um, through the front doors of the church. And so I'm very grateful when I get to meet, meet new people. And I just like, God, thank you for trusting us enough to send us that precious gift of a, of a visitor, of a guest. So we want to welcome you here. We hope you feel welcome. Um, and I would encourage you to take one of the, the communication cards that's in the chair in front of you. Fill that out. Let us have a record of your attendance. We always love to get to know who we're worshiping with. We won't spam mail you. We won't drop by and knock on your door without a phone call first and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. So don't, don't sweat it, right? Just uh, we'd love to be able to get to know you better. And if you want to put a prayer request on the back of that card or just drop a comment, uh, we would love to hear from you. You can drop that in one of the tithe boxes at the back of the church. And uh, if you have a prayer request specifically, you can uh, share that with us as a team. We pray for that in staff meetings. And we have a prayer email that goes out as well. Uh, so that's just our way of kind of just making sure that we're um, hearing the needs and praying for the needs of our church family. We truly are glad that you're here, not just guests, but everybody. Some of your faces, they've been here since the beginning, and I love seeing all of you, um, especially when you smile. Hint, <clears throat> hint. Amen. Well, listen, I want to do something special this morning. If you are graduating from college this Saturday, woohoo, right? But I want you to stand real quick, quick. If you're, if you're graduating from college this Saturday, stand. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to come on, come up here, please. Come up here. Come on up here. I don't, I don't want to embarrass you, but I do need to bring you forward, at least up to the front or whatever. doesn't matter. We didn't rehearse this, so come on up. If you're a college student graduating. So here's the thing. You're about to start a new 
path, right? A new chapter in life. Hey, daughter. It's my lovely daughter. Some of you, your parents are saying, hey, uh, hang on, you're blowing the the punchline. I'm helping you. So your parents uh, obviously have supported you guys, and I know they're very proud of you, and you're taking a new step in life. I mean, for some of you, it's going to be like off of mom and dad's payroll, and you're on your own two feet. So what we wanted to do to help out this morning is to give you your very first payday. So um, (laughs) sorry, that's all we could afford. But uh, we do appreciate you guys. Let's give them a hand this morning. Congratulations. (laughs) Go ahead. Thank you for being a part of Living Water. It's always good to see our young college students here. Um, If you will, just bow your heads and we'll pray and we'll continue to worship this morning. Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the young people in the church, the college students that are coming to WT and that are choosing to attend Living Water. Lord, I thank you for them. Lord, I thank you that we've had a a, a part in their lives for a season and, and they may move on from here and go different places. And I just ask that you would guide them and direct them into the next chapter of lives, and um, that, that you would just stir them to a good church that teaches your word and will love on them and help them to kind of find their place in the body of Christ, uh, Lord, in serving other people. Uh, Father, I thank you for the guests that are visited, uh, visiting today and, and for just everybody that is here today to worship you. We're here because of you. We're here to celebrate who we are in you and the fact that you never fail us. Lord, you're the same. You never change. You're no respecter of persons. Your mercy is new every morning. And Lord, even when we're faithless, even when we drop the ball, Lord, we are encouraged today to know that you are unchanging. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. We ask that as we continue to worship you now, Lord, that we would tune our hearts and our ears to you and what you might share through your word today, that we would just prepare our hearts. There's so much stuff going on in the world today. And and as we come through these doors, it's hard to shake that. It's hard to set it to the side. But I pray that for the sake of what you might want to share with us today and challenge us, Lord, that you would allow us to put those things to the side and focus on these next couple of songs, on you, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Who come beyond the works of God, the nations at his Breaks the bow and bends the spear and tells the wars to cease. Oh, mighty one of Israel, you are on our side. We walk by faith, who burns the chariots with fire. Lord of hosts, you with us, with us in the
oceans roar, you are the Lord of all, the one who calms the wind and waves and makes my heart be still. Though the earth gives way, the mountains move into the sea, the nations rage, I know my God is in control. Oceans roar, you are the Lord of all, the one who calms the wind and waves and makes my heart be still. Though the earth gives way, the mountains move into the sea, the nations rage. I know. God, that is who you are. You 
Well, good morning. Good to see all of you uh, here today. Glad that you chose to be here uh, to worship with us. And uh, we are going to dig into God's Word this morning. So I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And as you're turning there, just want to remind you that last week we, we talked about Jesus' response to the cancel culture in our world today. And I want to... Uh, look at what our response today should be to cancel culture. Cancel culture is when a group of people call out someone for past actions or alleged actions or comments that are found offensive by the ones that are calling out that person. Often viewed as a weapon of the woke left, cancel culture over the past couple of years has become way out of hand. And as I mentioned last week, I'm still curious of who the cancel culture is. It's like all of a sudden they have popped up and we're hearing all these things about cancel culture, things that we can do, things that we can't do, things that we can watch, things that we can't watch, things that we can read and what we can't read. We uh, hear names when we think of cancel culture like Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy that I mentioned last week. We think of uh, one like Roseanne Barr for comments that she made that many thought were racist. Or Chris uh, Harrison, the host of The Bachelor. Uh, J.K. Rawlings, the author of Harry Potter. Former presidents Washington, Lincoln, and Jefferson have been coming up lately with the cancel culture. And then we have uh, Goya Foods. And the list goes on and on and on. And then there was the cancel culture attack that we saw recently against Dr. Seuss and, and Pepe Le Pew. I remember those Pepe Le Pew cartoons uh, back when I was growing up. Anybody remember those? Uh, Pepe Le Pew. How can you get mad at Pepe Le Pew? But they don't like Pepe Le Pew for some reason. And let's not forget the attack that's going on with the words that we use every day. Like referring to a person as a he or a she. Apparently that is offensive to some people that aren't quite sure whether they are he's or she's. I'm not sure what brings that up. And there's a whole list. It is amazing. I did this a couple of days ago. I just brought up some of the words that cancel culture is attacking. And I was astonished at, at what words that we use every day that now are offensive for one reason or another. And so we have this cancel culture that is going on. But we noticed last week that cancel culture is not anything new. Jesus dealt with cancel culture in his day. If you'll remember, as we saw last week, that uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the cancel culture of his day that he was dealing with. The Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't like uh, what Jesus was teaching. He was not the Messiah that they were hoping for. And he did not fit their agenda and the things that they wanted. And he also had a way of bringing out of them the truth that was hidden in their heart, the hypocrisy that was in their life. 
And so because of that, they chose to cancel Jesus out and they were looking for a way to take him out. And we saw in our study last week how they came up with a scheme to take him out. But it backfired on them. You know, over the years, especially since social media has become a huge part of our lives, cancel culture has been very active. Many times without us even realizing it. I will even go as far to say this morning that some of us over the years have been caught up in cancel culture ourselves, maybe without even realizing what we were doing. For example, how many of you have ever made a post on one of the social medias or you saw a post that someone made on social media about bad service that they received from someone or someplace and they began to post all about this bad service of that person, that individual or the business that they were a part of. And you began to read the other posts and you began to remember of the things that you had, the bad experience that you had there. So you've got to chime in. You've got to put your bad experience. You know what that is? Cancel culture. We're attacking. Or how about this? Maybe it's not social media. Maybe you guard what you write on social media and what you say on social media. But how many of you over the years have got involved in a conversation with someone because of the way that they acted, the way that they looked, or something that they did that you didn't like, and you and another group of people began to talk about this individual with a little thing that we call gossip? You know what that is? Cancel culture. We're doing what we can do to make sure that that person is harmed in some way through our words and through our actions. So sometimes we even get caught up into this without even realizing it many times because it's just part of life. But should it be a part of our life? And the answer to that is absolutely not. So the question is, how do we deal with cancel culture in our day? How are we to live our lives in such a way in a cancel culture world where people actually see Christ through us and are actually encouraged rather than discouraged? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, and I believe today we will get some instruction on how we should live our lives in a cancel culture world. Notice beginning in verse 6, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up sleeper and rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Pay careful attention then to how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. 
giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. How do we live in a cancel culture world in such a way that actually makes a positive difference in not only our life, but the life of those around us? Well, the first thing that we see in this passage today is that if we want to make a difference in a cancel culture world, we must be wise in your walk. Notice what he says. He says, walk as children of light. And in order to walk as children of light, we must be in the light. Notice what he says back in verse 8. In verse 8, he says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Now, it's very important for us to to notice here the wording that Paul uses in this passage. He says, you were once darkness. Notice that he doesn't say you were once in darkness, even though that would be an accurate statement for him to say. And he says, now you are light. He doesn't say, now you are in the light, which would also be an appropriate statement to say. What he is saying is, before you have come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, not only were you walking in darkness, but you actually were darkness. Because that is who you are. That is how you are living your life. You are darkness. He says, but now something has changed. Because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, now something supernatural has happened. And no longer are you darkness, but now you are light. When Christ comes to live in us, no longer are we darkness, but now we are light and we should choose to live as children of light. And it amazes me sometimes when we look at those around us who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. We look at those around us and we look at how they're living their life and we look at the things that they say and they do and we get upset at them because of those things that they say and they do. We get upset because they don't talk like us. We get upset because they don't look like us. We get upset because they don't act like us. And when we get upset at them, we we get mad and angry and sometimes we say and do things towards them that we shouldn't do. But the problem is we don't realize who they are. They are just living who they are. Now, it is okay to get upset with those actions, to get upset with the things that they do, but to get upset with that person, I think, is wrong on our part because we are looking at them and judging them based on those actions, forgetting who they are. They're just living who they are. And I think in order for us to understand that a little bit better, we need to recognize who we are. And that's what Paul is pointing out to us, that before you came to know Christ, you were just like them. You were darkness but now you're light so don't look down on them because they are still darkness but respond to them in a way that they can see Christ in you and through you so that maybe they can move from being darkness to being light to make a difference in their life as just as Christ has made a difference in us he can make a difference in them what would it be like if we began to pray daily for those that we know that are still darkness What would it be like in our life? How would we respond to them differently if we were really praying that they would come to know Christ in a personal way just as we have? I can tell you for me personally, when I began to pray for someone who I know is lost that needs Christ in their life, when I began to pray for them, I began to treat them differently. Again, I don't condone their actions. I don't support their actions or their thoughts. 
And I don't have a problem discussing those things with them. But I do it out of love and out of kindness towards them. So before we get mad and upset with how they are living their life and what they are doing, let's first remember who they are. And again, I take you back to the story last week of the woman that was brought to Jesus who had been caught in the middle of adultery. And those around were noticing her sin in her life, but Jesus noticed her. And he saw someone that was valuable. He saw someone who needed love, and he loved her. And because of that, her life was changed, and her life became different. And that's exactly how we should respond to others as well. We should be wise in our walk, and being wise in our walk means that we have to make a choice. Notice that he does not say that now that you are light, that you need to, or that you will always walk in the light. But he says that you need to choose to walk in the light of the Lord. You will not always automatically walk in the light. Wouldn't that be good if we just automatically every day got up and we were right where we were supposed to be with Christ and and we didn't have to worry about anything. But the reality is if we do that on our own, if you're like me, you're going to mess up so quick. Probably before your feet hit the ground in the morning, you've already done something that you shouldn't have done. We have to choose to walk in the light. We have to choose daily that today I am light and I'm going to walk in the light. That means that I'm going to walk different than the rest of the world walks. He says live as children of light. And when he says live, he's saying that you need to choose to live or choose to walk as children of light. And he goes on to tell us that if we are walking as children of light, then your walk is going to show it. And he shares three fruits of the life that is walking in Christ. So he gives us a test. You want to know if you're walking in the light or not? Then look at these words that he uses. Look at this test that he says. Look at the fruit that is going to come out. And he says, first of all, there will be goodness. Now, goodness is one of the attributes of Christ. Christ showed goodness towards us when he laid down his life for us. He shows goodness towards others, or we show goodness towards others, when we put others before ourselves. But when we think more highly of ourselves than we're thinking of others, then goodness is not going to be the fruit that is coming out. Goodness shows when we look at others and we look at them and we're looking for ways to serve them, looking for ways to put them above ourselves. Darkness says to live for yourself. Light says to show goodness by putting others above yourself. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself is to show goodness, goodness that comes out because of the fruit of God that is in us. And the second thing he says is righteousness. Righteousness, this refers to the conforming to God's righteous standards. And a righteous person is upright before God and before others. A righteous person is just and fair in how he treats others. And this kind of righteousness is not a righteousness that we can do on our own. This is the kind of righteousness that only comes through our relationship with Christ. Isaiah says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. That means that our righteousness can never measure up. But for 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us that it is Christ who is our righteousness. 
And I am only righteous today because of Christ who is living in me and through me. But we live in righteousness. We live standing in righteous. And then we live the truth. Truth stands in contrast to the life of unbelievers who are deceived and do not recognize the truth. Therefore, we are to speak the truth in love. We are to be people of our word, maintaining integrity in all things. And we shouldn't have anything to hide because we walk in the light and we live the truth that is found in God's word. The fruit of the light is God's character reflected in and through us. But those in darkness are characterized by just the opposite kind of fruit. Those that walk in darkness, those that are darkness, their fruit is evil, their fruit is wickedness, and their fruit is falsehood. And when we are living as children of the light, our life will expose the darkness that is around us. Notice that he says that this darkness will be exposed. Every, in uh, verse 13, everything exposed by the light is made visible. Now, some people will take that and say, you know, we're supposed to expose the darkness around us, and so it is my job to get out there on social media and to say everything I can that exposes the darkness. Or it's my job everywhere I go to confront people and expose the darkness. No, let me tell you what he is saying. That when the fruit of the Spirit of God is overflowing in our life and God is at work in our life, then it is the work of God in us that exposes the darkness around us. And sometimes, believe it or not, we don't have to say a word because it is God at work in his light that shines. Now, there are some times that God will inform us to speak. Sometimes through the Spirit of God, he will lead us to say something. But many times it's just that we are walking in the light. We are now the light of Christ, and the light of Christ is shining so brightly through us that it will outshine the darkness. However, if we are no different than the darkness in our thoughts, then we don't have a message to share. If we are no different than the darkness with our attitude, then we have no message to share. If we are no different than the darkness in the actions that we live out in our life every day, then we have no message to share. But when we are living in Christ and the fruit of the Spirit is living through us, then we have a message to share. And that message will outshine the darkness. And everything that is in the darkness will be brought to light. So how do we live our lives in such a way that outshines the darkness? Well, he goes on and he tells us this in verses 15 through 20. And the first thing that we see there is that we are to walk in wisdom. Paul gives us direction on how to walk as children of light. Now, again, this is a choice that we make to walk as children of light. And let me just say here that if someone claims to be in Christ, but enjoys walking in darkness, enjoys the darkness that's in their life and has no desire to change, then they need to examine if they are really walking in the light or not. So how do we walk in wisdom? Well, first of all, he says to be wise in our understanding, knowing the will of God. Look back with me, if you would, at verses 15 through 17. 
He says, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He said, guess what? You're living in evil days. Would you agree with that today? We're living in evil days. And he says, so in order to make a difference in the evil days that you're living in and able to stand in these evil days that you're living in, then you must live as those who are wise. And the way that you live as those who are wise is you walk in wisdom. And walking in wisdom means that we need to know the will of God for our lives. What is the will of God for our life? What is the will of God on how we live? And how can we know that? Well, first of all, we can know the will of God through his word. That's why it is so important that we study his word. We come together on Sundays. We study his word. I want to tell you something. There's some churches you can go to today that you would leave wondering if they even have a Bible in that place. But I don't know about you. I'm glad that we can come here and we can study God's word together to know what God's word says because that is so important in our life. But you need to understand that cannot stop here. This needs to be an everyday part of our life where we are studying God's word, where we are knowing what God's word is. You want to know the will of God for your life? Begin by looking in his word. And you know, it's pretty sad today that we come up with all kinds of excuses why we cannot read his word, why I just don't have time to read the Bible. I just don't uh, have time, and, and I have a hard time memorizing the Bible. Anybody like that have a hard time memorizing Scripture? But you know what's sad about that today is we can remember a full conversation that we had with somebody three weeks ago. We can remember what we heard on the television, on the news last week. We can remember everything that we read on Facebook and Twitter and all the other things, but we cannot remember what God's Word says. Why is that? Well, it could be that's because God's Word is not a priority in our life. Psalms 19.11 says, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And the word hidden there means I have treasured your Word in my heart. And I think it would be appropriate for some of us to say that if we were really being honest, that I have not treasured your word in my heart and that's why I continue to sin against you. We are to treasure his word. What is it that we treasure more than the word of God? What is it that we look at more than the word of God? Just think about this. If we spent half as much time, I'll back off of that. If we spent a fourth of the time in God's word that we spend with our heads and our phones, with stuff that does not matter, that does not make a difference, that won't matter one bit. Think of the difference God's word would make in our lives. If we just spent a little bit more time, what if we just took an extra five minutes a day and said, I'm going to spend that in God's word and I want to see what God's word says to me because I want to know God's will for my life. We need to know the word. But God also speaks to us through the spirit that lives in us. I believe many times in our lives we are so busy and we're listening to so many things around us that we cannot hear the spirit of God when he speaks to us in our lives. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. 
When was the last time you just said, you know what, I need to be still so that I can listen to God. I need to be still just so I can know the presence of God. I need to be still because I want to hear God speaking to me. And the Spirit of God that lives inside of us speaks to us. And then sometimes God will speak to us through other people. But God has a way of telling us what his will is if we really want to know what the will of God is. But I think sometimes we don't want to know what the will of God is because when we know what the will of God is, it brings conviction to our life saying that there's things we need to change. There's things we need to look at in ourselves and sometimes it'll make us uncomfortable. Secondly, verse 18, he says, Uh, He's letting us know we need to be wise with our mind. Look what 18 says. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Now, before we get into a huge debate on whether or not we can drink wine and does this apply to all alcohol and all kinds of things like that, we need to understand and really look at what he is saying. He says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. What happens when you get drunk with wine or alcohol. Alcohol is then controlling your mind. That's why he said don't get drunk because it will control your mind. Well, what about those of us that don't drink? I don't have a problem. Wine's not ever going to control my mind because I don't like wine. So how is that going to affect me? Well, the reality is that we have a lot of things that consume us and control us. So don't get focused in just on the wine. Let's look at anything that is controlling our thoughts and our mind because anything that is controlling our thought and our mind other than the Spirit of God is wrong. And he's saying don't let anything control your mind other than God's Spirit and let God work in your mind. To put this very simply in terms that I hope we can all understand is that anything that consumes you controls you. That could be alcohol, that could be your job, that could be social media, that could be the things that you watch, that could really be anything that is out there that we become so consumed with that the Spirit of God does not have room to work in our life. Now you need to remember this, that when we become followers of Christ, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us at that moment. And he's telling us here we need to be Filled with the Spirit, not filled with all these other things, to be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, we need to understand what it's not. So when the Holy Spirit comes to live in you at the time of salvation, you get all of the Spirit. All the Spirit is in you. You don't need to somehow magically get more of the Spirit to come into your life. The Spirit of God is there in fullness. But what he is saying is that when we allow other things to control our life, other things to control our mind, then the Spirit of God is not able to work. So instead of looking at this as we need to get more of the Spirit, we need to look at it as we need to give more of ourselves to the Spirit of God to allow him to control our thoughts, to control our minds, to control our actions. You see, if I'm letting anything other than the Spirit of God control my life, then that is a problem. Be wise with your minds, not letting anything other than the Spirit of God to control our thoughts and our mind. And then also be wise with your words. Maybe some of you have heard this statement before, but people judge you with the words that you use. 
The way we talk to people or even the way we talk about people sends a very strong message. Look at verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymn, and spiritual songs. Singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Now one of the evidences of being filled with the Spirit is by what comes out of the mouth. In Matthew 12, 34, it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know where somebody's at in their life spiritually? Just listen to them. It won't take very long. You'll figure it out. You want to know if somebody's walking in the Spirit or not? Listen to what they're saying. You'll be able to figure it out before very long. But before you start listening and to what other people are saying, listen to what's coming out of your own mouth. And you'll be able to examine your own heart. It means that whatever is in the heart will eventually come out of the mouth. You've heard the, the saying, garbage in, garbage what? Out. Garbage in, garbage out. That means whatever we're putting inside, whatever we're seeing, whatever we're hearing, whatever we're allowing inside will eventually turn around and come out. And it'll come out of the mouth. But the opposite of that is true as well. Good in, then good out. So when we are filling ourselves with what is true, what is good, what comes through God, when those things are what's consuming us and coming in, then that is what will be coming out as well. In verses 18 and 19, he says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. He's talking to the church. He's saying, when you come together, this ought to be the way that you talk. And so from now on, we're going to start talking to each other in psalms. We're going to talk to each other with hymns. And we're going to uh, do those kind of things. And then he goes on and says, and sing out of the heart to God. Now, I like that part. But the talking in psalms and hymns, that's kind of weird, right? So again, let's, let's look at what he's saying. Our words to one another should be words of encouragement, words that are uplifting to one another. And you know what amazes me is we are very good at doing that in the church, but sometimes this is where it stops. And we go to our homes, and we don't talk to each other that way in our homes. Or we go out into the community, and we don't talk that way in the community. And I got to tell you, when God was working on me this week with this message, this is an area that I struggle in. This is an area, I cannot tell you how many times I've had to go back and apologize to somebody because of something that I have said. Because I'm a very sarcastic person. If you don't know me very well, you probably don't realize that. But I'm a very sarcastic person. And you know what I've realized in life? Some people don't take sarcasm very well. They just don't understand it. They, they don't get it. And the problem with sarcasm is this that I've also learned over the years is that there's usually a hint of truth in sarcasm. And because of that, my, my daughters are great. My daughters are good. They'll tell me. We'll be at a restaurant and sometimes I don't mean to. It just happens. And they'll tell me, you're kind of rude. You know how many times I've had to go back and apologize to waitresses? At a restaurant, I had to do it just a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I speak before I think. Anybody else like that? Sometimes, yeah, no, you're lying. You're lying through your teeth. So we're like that. And we have to go back and we have to think about what we're saying. We have to think about the words that we use. And listen, it doesn't stop here. When we go out into the world, it is so important that when we're talking to those that are still in darkness, 
that through our words they see the light of Christ. Be careful what we say. Be careful how we say it. And when you hear me say something that's stupid, you be free to tell me that was rude, that was mean, because sometimes I need to recognize that even in my own life. And I'm glad that it's just me. Sometimes our words can hurt. And you know what? When those words come out, you can't take them back. They're out there. But my point is this. Think of the difference that we can make in our world if maybe we took the time to think before we speak. And then be wise in our relationships. In verse 21, notice what he says. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. He tells us here that we should submit ourselves to one another. To submit simply means to serve one another. Again, he is talking about our relationship with other believers, but I believe that this is true again as we go out into the world, that we look for opportunities to serve others. Ephesians 2.5 tells us that we should have the same attitude as Christ. What kind of attitude did Christ have? Jesus said in Mark 10.45, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. This does not mean that we let others in the world walk over us. This doesn't mean that we let the world look down upon us, but it means that we look for opportunities to show the love of Christ to others through serving others. And the world will see Christ in us when we live that way. How do we live in a culture that has gone crazy? How do we live in a world that makes no sense to us sometimes? How do we live in a world that seems to be going off of the rails. I believe he gives us just a very good thought here. If we would just live as Christ lived, because everything that we see in this passage is an example of Christ in his life. And if we will just live that way, I believe that we can make a difference in our world, not just here. I think that will spread. I think this kind of living becomes contagious. I think that this is the kind of living that the world is looking for, even darkness, because darkness realizes that this isn't good. Sometimes, sometimes they don't. But those that do will be drawn to that light. I love this example that you ever been outside at night and you flip a light switch on and all the bugs come flying to that light? And you think, where did all these bugs come from? And I think the same thing is true when we truly become the light of Christ in our world, that it will attract. And it'll attract people that sometimes we'll sit there and shake our head and say, who in the world are you? And they're the ones that Christ died for, just like he died for me and you. Be the light of Christ. Let our light shine in the darkness that's around us. Let's pray together. As you bow your head and close your eyes today, I want you to just consider this passage. Consider what he says, that once you were darkness, but now you are light. And as you examine your light today, can you say that that is true for you? That once you were darkness, but but now because of your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that you are now light through him. That you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. Today, if you don't know that for sure, then in just a moment when we close, I'll invite you to come, Pastor Shane, and I'll be here. We'd love to visit with you about how today you can begin a relationship with him and how you can move from being darkness to light. Today, you know 
that Christ is in you. What is God saying to you today? God, what does God want you to get out of this message today? What does he want you to leave here with? Just spend a moment with him today. Maybe this is that moment where you just need to be still and hear the voice of God and what he wants for you. God, I thank you today for your word. God, I thank you for the challenge that comes through your word. And God, I pray that you would help each one of us today to live as light in a dark world. God, I pray for anyone here today who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today your spirit would draw them unto yourself and today would be the day of salvation for them. God, I pray that you would help us as believers today to know exactly what you want us to see, what you want us to get out of this. God, how we need to change in our life, maybe some things that we need to work on. And God, who is it that is still in darkness that we need to go and share your love with? God, I thank you for all that you do for us, but I thank you most of all for giving us your son, Jesus Christ, that through him we can be changed. In Christ's name I pray, amen.